At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. Today marks a major milestone for the Baptist Health Talk podcast. This is episode number 100. Yay! <laughs> so, so we're trying something a little different for this episode. The show's producer, the wonderful Carol Higgins, is turning the tables to ask me some questions about the first 99 episodes, as well as what the future may hold for the next 99. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, it's going to be fine. It's always good to try new things, right? <laughs> I'm ripe and ready, Carol. I'm ripe and ready. Okay. Well, when we talk about new things, this was new about two years ago. Can you take us back to the beginning and tell us how it came about and how did you come to be the host? Um, yeah, it's kind of, I guess, uh, you know, when I reflect on two years ago and 100, 100 podcasts and, and the work done behind the scenes, I, I always felt that um, if we had a way to communicate to, to really patients, to the lay public, at a way that they would understand and about things they want to hear, um, it, it'd be very viable, it'd be very popular. And in my own practice, I always kind of put myself in that patient position when I'm talking to them, what I would want to know, what I would want to hear, how I'd want to understand why recommendations are made. You know, they say that everyone and their mother has a podcast. The reality is everyone and their mother does have a podcast these days, <laughs> but, but it really is a great forum. I mean, I find I listen to podcasts at night when I'm trying to go to sleep. I listen when I have car rides, sometimes in the afternoons and, and, you know, people can listen to them at their convenience. So I felt connecting the desire to communicate with people at their level about the things they would want to know, as well as using the podcast format. And then of course the Baptist health you know, innovative marketing teams and, and you guys and you and Steve, especially uh, being able to put all this together was, was a great uh, opportunity. And I'd like to think it was well-received. Um, certainly uh, I get a lot of, um, you know, good feedback from folks in the community and, and certainly my mother is a good advocate <laughs> telling all you know, her friends uh, to listen. And it's always, always, you know, it's always good to have uh, working for you, but I think it was just a matter of trying to find a new form to connect with people at levels that, um, are easy for them about things that they would otherwise want to hear about. So um, what, as far as you becoming the host, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I've also had a lot of patients who are in marketing who would say to me, you know, hey, you should be on TV or you should do podcasts or you should do X, Y, and Z. And of course, they wanted me to hire them to help you know, promote <laughs> me. Um, um, and, and again, I, I think the, the balance of the Baptist um, uh, support in, uh, in our um, podcast is that I, I can do this because I like it. I can do it because I think I'm providing something impactful. I can do it because I like providing exposure to the wonderful talent we have in the Baptist system, doctors, nurses, therapists, dietitians. It's, it's just its just great to talk with these bright, motivated, passionate people. But I didn't want to make it into a true career. I didn't want to make it something that I had to spend all day worrying about a podcast. And again, with your guys' help and, and with the help of a lot of our guests, it just became something that became fun. In fact, Carol, over two years, and, and you certainly know all my other roles within the health system and, and how I'll say in demand I am, but I don't mean that in, in anything other than just there's a lot of opportunities for me, things I can do. Uh, people, why are, you wasting, why are you wasting time on that? Why are you spending time on it? And quite frankly, it's, I like it. Why, why can't I spend some time doing something that actually 
I enjoy. Um, so I thought about something that I, 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 I just enjoy doing the podcast. I enjoy the evolution. I think I've evolved and grown as well uh, over the podcast, both in, in delivery and figuring out what the message should be to learning from the guests we have on and coming up with new topics. Um, so uh, again, it's just something I just find very enjoyable. And I'd like to think that the uh, listeners find value in it as well. I believe they do. Um, I know when I first met you, I guess when I was first told that uh, a doctor was going to host the podcast, I was a little apprehensive because not all doctors would be capable of sitting there and interviewing people and keeping the discussion going and not getting so technical because that is <laughs> that has been as my career as a video producer for many many years it's my experience that a lot of physicians aren't that great at being able to take it down to the level of the the average person the doctor the doctor rabbit hole it could be it's uh and and as you know as we prep guests i i say to them hey listen it's it's not a place for you to show off your extreme knowledge we know it's there no reason to get technical and start quoting quoting journal articles and whatnot. It's it's put yourself in the, in the role of of your patient or a family member, and not all, but the vast majority are, are quite able to do that. And that's how I try to direct them as well if they start going off on tangents. Um, it's just the doctor has knowledge they want to express, and as I said, they're so passionate about trying to connect their knowledge to help people. They sometimes lose sight and focus of what's happening on the other end is true yeah yeah communication is two-way but i've found so many impressive guests as we've gone through this in the last couple of years just really impressive people and it's been a pleasure to hear from them firsthand um so you're a preventative cardiologist by training <laughs> you right. also have the title of chief population health officer for baptist health what is that role what do you do for that yeah, it's it's kind of a, if I step back, it's kind of an interesting um, synergy between my cardiology and cardiovascular leadership role and the population health role. And I think the way it evolved is going back to being a preventative cardiologist. That means I was, my job was to keep people away from procedures, not generate procedures, angioplasties, stents, bypass surgeries. Of, of course, when people needed those, uh, I was certainly going to support them and help them get through it. But in prevention, you want to recognize when people are developing certain things that could lead to problems in the future that are preventable. And more commonly, the patients aren't even aware they're developing those things. So I think that background and that focus in helping people with better lifestyle or uh, 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 avoiding bad things like strokes and heart attacks and heart failure always was primary in my mind as I would more holistically approach the patients, getting into diet and sleep and stress and, and their activity levels beyond just take this pill. Um, I always recognize that I can have an impact with the patient for the 20, 30 minutes of a visit three to four times a year, but they spent most of their life not in front of me in my visit in my office. So my first focus was how in the cardiovascular space, I could work towards developing processes, programs, apps, support, and, and just availability and education for patients when they go home and when they're home and help them understand, hey, you know, don't worry about that. Don't run to the emergency room. Don't, you know, let, let's help you recognize when there's a problem, when, when there's not. And then that led into the population health space, which is not just around a patient that I follow who needs a cardiologist, but when we're talking about broad populations, employees of the health system, uh, you know, certain populations of, of certain companies that we have relationships with. So the population health strategy is how we can identify these groups of people and how we can help them apply resources and knowledge to, again, avoid 
bad downstream concerns. That could be things like mammography screening and colonoscopy screenings to getting sugars under control to exercise to treatments for hypertension or lipid abnormalities or, or, or diabetes and whatnot. So I think it was an evolution of being kind of a holistic cardiologist, looking at the full aspects of the patient's lifestyle, extrapolating that towards the patient's life at home, and then taking it past the cardiology space into how we can really manage and help populations uh, broadly. Um, and that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I don't know if anyone else feels that way who, who works with me, but that's why I think I kind of uh, had that uh, trajectory. Well, some of those topics that you just mentioned, um, we've covered in the podcast and um, kind of thinking back through some of the episodes, the very first one um, was the buzz around caffeine. And that one published in February 18th, 2020. Um, some of the other topics we covered really early were back pain, heart palpitations, vaping. And then, and then in the first week yeah. of March, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we had to take a major pivot because there was a new number one healthcare topic in the world, and that was coronavirus. So, what was that like, and why was it so important for us to change our focus? The, um, you know, my original intent with the podcast, um, speaking to the kind of broad topics you brought up are the kind of things that, again, people, part of their lifestyle, again, coffee, uh, vaping, uh, my back hurts. And, and what's the resources they have to get those questions answered? We don't want Dr. Google and we don't want them using emergency rooms unnecessarily. And I thought we just can't keep it broad. I, I listened back to those and Carol, you're certainly a, a help in that. I, I, my first goal, if you remember, was I wanted to keep them under 15 minutes. So I was <laughs> flying. I was, you know, <laughs> you know, my mom was saying, slow down, slow down. Yeah. And then when I realized that, you know, let's have a better dialogue and see where things go. And I think we, we evolved in that space. But when COVID hit, we kind of recognized that this podcast was something that was relatively popular and there were people listening to it and, you know, thousands uh, at times, and it could be a good vehicle to provide information. I think in general, the podcast, but in the COVID situation in particular, the lack of information drives the anxiety and the anxiety drives unhealthy behaviors or bad behaviors. We could always talk about the evils of misinformation, which may be worse than, than not having information. So the podcast became a great vehicle for bringing in experts and uh, in real time, exploring what we were learning about coronavirus and COVID. And even when we look through the evolution of our first podcasts and the topics versus the later ones, man, what have we learned and what have we been able to adapt and address and through those COVID podcasts, I love, because again, I, I think I represent the patient. Hey, what do we know? What don't we know? Where do you think things are going? And, and not infrequently, we were right. And sometimes we were wrong. But the listeners were able to experience it in real time as we were experiencing it. Right. As I was learning, as the guests were, you know, with their incredible expertise, learning from the scientific community and from the CDC and from the organization. So the COVID pivot was extraordinarily uh, gratifying in terms of uh, learning and exposing, as well as you know, a great example of where a podcast is one of many forums where we can bring information to people, but again, in a way that they want it and at their convenience. And uh, I do, I would like to think that um, you know the ability to have a lot of these COVID-related um, podcasts, including again, as we've said, these incredible guests, um, um, was a, was part of the way we've got through this. And if we're able to help people be a little more assured, take proper actions, give perspective regarding some of the controversy. We had one on masks and we had one on vaccines and, and even updates on that. So just, you know, where's the, the controversies out there? But let's get down to what do we really know and what, we, what don't we know? And then people can make their appropriate decisions 
uh, you know, based on information. Uh, I found it again. It was fortunate that we had already had the podcast infrastructure, but wow, to, to take off on the on the COVID uh, coronavirus and COVID experience was was really rewarding. Yeah, it was um, it was very rewarding. And like you said, you listen, you learn from the guests. I know Steve and I listening in learn from the guests. And uh, just overall, we found in not just the not just the podcast, but with the blog and other areas, people were turning to us in record numbers to Baptist because they wanted a trusted source. They were, you know, confused and they were looking for somebody that, you know, they they trusted and they wanted to hear from. Um, were any of those episodes about COVID, did the, any of them stand out in your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to uh, um, impugn any <laughs> get some talking by leaving things out. I think the focus on the myth busting was was, was wonderful. Like I said, uh, masks, uh, vaccines. Uh, there were two that resonated the most with me. One was the COVID and kids, the COVID and children. Uh, because I think, you know, as parents, um, again, I, I, my kids are in their 20s, and while I'm certainly concerned about them through the pandemic, it's not the same level of uncertainty and anxiety as parents who had little kids and kids in grade schools enough. And I think, you know, our guests did a wonderful job uh, in, in uh, exploring that and providing that kind of reassurance. And, and we touched it in other ones. And I think the ones we did kind of on the behavioral health about the anxiety and stress of COVID, I think those were quite helpful to let people know you're not unique, you're not alone. Let's talk about some mechanisms to help uh, uh, to help you, know, you get through this. And the one that I think was, was most um, uh, emotional for me, if you will, was kind of the, the ones we did on the front lines. Yes. We had a lot of Baptist, Baptist health leaders, uh, doctors and, and nurses. And some of the shared experience of, of the nurses were just incredibly moving, especially in the, the early phases of, of COVID. Family members sick and couldn't have family members with them and having to work with iPads and, and quite frankly, people critically ill and even passing away and alone and, and how they just were just totally supporting and, and the incredible work they did under intense pressure. I mean, I still, I still get you know, a little bit choked up when I think about those frontline workers. I, I think, you know, as a leader within the health system, I'd like to think that I was instrumental in, in uh, evaluating, uh, instrumental in adapting and providing resources, even the COVID experience, but I wasn't in that emergency room. I wasn't in that, in that ICU. I wasn't, you know, at that front line uh, like they were. And uh, man, the, the underappreciation of those people are just, I think what, if I have to go back on a two-year uh, reflection, those episodes were the most impactful uh, to me. Um, uh, so I think the kids, the behavioral support and anxiety and stress, and then the most importantly, the frontline workers sharing their stories and experiences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Those really moved me too. And I know they were very effective. Um, and also, you know, trying to get out again, the message that this is serious, take it seriously, yeah. folks, yeah. you know. And, and frankly, in my practice, and again, I was a cardiologist, but I still speak with people at length and get to know them well. These were the things that people don't know. These were the things that people weren't sure of. These are the things, the questions that people ask. And they ask me and I have family members asking me the same things. And that's, again, the perspective I try to bring is what would I want to know if I weren't a medical practitioner? And then with my medical knowledge, you know, guide and direct certain conversations and directions with, you know, into certain areas. Um, and I'd like to think that we accomplished um, those goals for most of the podcasts. I think so, too. Um, stepping away from COVID, 
you know, we have covered a wide range of topics and physical and, as you said, emotional and mental health. And in fact, one of the most downloaded episodes was about coping with stress unrelated to COVID. Do you remember that one? Sure do. Sure do. Sure do. Coping with um, election stress. Election was huge in that year. Yeah. And, and again, I'm sure you guys just in your community, uh, a lot of tension, stress, aggravation, um, a lot of confrontation, you know, in our, in our community. And as physicians, we were seeing a lot of it and its effects on patients as well. And certainly when we brought in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Rahady, a psychiatrist, we brought in a lot of uh, support uh, uh, people to kind of guide people through that. Uh, I think that was well received as well. We weren't the only ones. I think there's a lot of stuff going on in the medical community nationally addressing it, but, you know, being very focused on our Baptist health community, South Florida, um, and uh, making it more um, specific versus general, I think was uh, a great success. And, and as we said, election stress, the stress of election, we talked about uh, you know, not watching <laughs> stressful news before going to bed. So we talked about sleep impacts, staying active, you know, having <laughs> tough conversations and getting out of tough conversations. And, and these are real things that people live, but don't step back and say, what's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? Or, or what do I do about it? So uh, at least for those listeners and maybe some of their family members and friends who they were able to communicate with. Again, I, I think that was a great topic. Definitely. Um, well, we've talked about what makes a good host or what your background <laughs> has brought to being a good host. So like, generically, we don't have to call out any names, but what makes a good guest? Yeah, I, again, something I, I kind of think about, and, and we know that our guest selection, again, I don't think we've had any guests that weren't incredibly passionate and knowledgeable and great experts in their field. Uh, but some can kind of get in the weeds, as we said. I think the idea is that we have to listen to what the question is being asked and know the audience. So the best guests are the one who can engage, can use metaphors and anecdotes to relate to the patient. You know, you may have found, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we haven't had bad guests, but, but sometimes we do have guests that get a little too technical. And, and it's because their comfort level. It's not, it's not an inadequacy. It's just they know it and they want people to understand the level of they understand because they think it'll it'll provide benefit for, for both uh, getting yourselves taken care of and knowing what's not important. So I think going back to the original question, the best guests are ones that can understand and the level of the audience, just read the audience, which is me <laughs> for these in terms of, hey, if I'm pulling in a different direction or, you know, this is an audio podcast, but we do usually do them with Zoom. So I'm making eyes or I'm, you know, putting the, the cut sign under my, under my right. neck, you know, uh, following that lead a little bit. But um, as we go through, I think some of that, you know, Carol, quite frankly, is topic dependent as well. Of course. Well, we're doing really kind of, you know, broad, uh, very general type of topics, uh, you know, the, the, the guests we're going to invite are going to have that message. If we're doing something that's really to promote something really wild and cool we're doing in one of the institutes of the hospital, which is great. It's incredibly innovative and exciting. Um, but then, you know, again, that might be someone who's a little bit more technical and less patient-centric in, in how they communicate stuff. Um, so like I said, we have not had any bad guests, and I'm not just saying that glibly. We really have not. It's up to the host to make a guest good. So if anyone ever listened to a podcast and said, boy, that, that's a real loser, then that's on me. Um, but, oh, uh, well, some, I, wouldn't, some, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, some, some, some make it easier than others. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not a natural thing. I mean, you think it is. We're just sitting here talking, but um, people get you know, self-conscious, and that's, uh, that's something that is totally understandable. So you know, Carol, yeah. it's, it's a, I say it's a sorry to, it's no. it's when I give a, and I'm saying this to the, the, the listeners because Carol and Steve hear it every time I give a little um, you know a prelude to the podcast to the guests and we say listen you're gonna have so much information you want to share 
it's very easy that to just, I'll ask a question. You'll just go on for 20 minutes. Let's break it up. Let's make it conversational. Right. And, and sometimes they do. And, and the information can be fantastic, but, but you know, when it's a conversational tone, it's much more, um, um, let's say impactful that resonates with people than when it's just a laundry list of things that they can read on Dr. Google or, or find on their own. So um, again, most of the time the, the folks are incredibly um, uh, understanding and, and you know, most of it's intuitive uh, just based on the natural empathy of the, the, the guests we've had. Yeah, but every once in a while, you know, I got I to earn my I got to earn my pay, which which every, is nothing, folks, which is, which nothing. is nothing, folks. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. This is part of the goodness of Dr. Fialco's heart. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that we have been doing it via Zoom. Um, we were always planning and the first few were done in a studio where so you're sitting more face to face in the same room, yeah. which is maybe a little more natural. What are some of the challenges you found of doing it remotely instead? I, it's a great question. I think, you know, I think it's always a better experience for both the uh, the the guest and me when we're in the same room there are some nonverbal communications and and uh you know facially i could say yeah keep going with that it's great versus you know um and we're able to do a little bit on zoom it's not the same on the other hand i think it's enhanced our ability to get guests because if you recall at the very beginning when the guests had to take time off and come into the studio and prep right i mean seriously we could we could we could bang out a podcast from the guest standpoint 30 minutes they log in in 30 minutes they're back to work so uh, there are benefits in doing it remotely. Um, I would like to think that maybe for some of the more broader dialogue type of ones that we have planned, um, um, maybe being in, in the same room will be a benefit. But uh, the main, I'd say the main limitation is that you don't get that nonverbal dialogue in a conversation as easily as you might when you're in the same room, which is part of a conversation. When How the viewers think when they're talking to someone, how often are you, your eyes closed? Are you looking down? How valuable is that? You're looking at the person and you're looking at their responses to what you say and you're looking when to jump in and, and when to back off. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's a little more trying under Zoom. I think we got it down pretty well. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I could tell you that... Um, I'm a little more tired after a Zoom podcast than an in-person because there's a little more, the brain's working a little bit harder to, to, to follow those, those cues through a, uh, through a video screen. Well, yeah, um, as a communication major, you know, I was taught early on that nonverbal communication is, makes up the, the most of communication. It, that's really where you get so much of your context. And, that, and that's true, actually, you know, we've even done a, a podcast on virtual visits and using technology. And, and as someone who does them as well in my practice, it's, it's, it's great because of the access. People don't have to leave their houses. They don't have to get babysitters. They don't have to take time off of work. They can still have a doctor's visit and not have to go and travel and, and whatnot. You still lose something, especially in my practice where I try to really connect with the patients and get in the, to, the, to the message behind the words. Um, and it's not ineffective. It's just harder. So it, it does speak towards many areas, not just a conversation that's, you know, can affect uh, your medical visit as well to some degree. For sure. So with the hundred episodes under your belt, um, do you have any thoughts about the future of the podcast? I know you'd probably like to talk about New York sports, the Jets, the Mets, but um, <laughs> no, seriously. Actually, actually I, I don't want to talk about it unless it's to my psychiatrist because it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a thank, thankless uh, group of teams to root for, but um uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about, and uh, some of this was actually in the original thoughts, but again, with COVID and all the things that came into play, we, we did that pivot. But I, I think it'd be a good idea to have certain podcast topics that might not be as clear cut. So not necessarily controversial, but I like the idea of having, let's say a topic, and we have two guests that have different views on things. And it's not necessarily one right. So maybe certain, I'd like to have a lot of podcasts on diet, for example. 
mm-hmm. we've talked about that. And one of the reasons I haven't is because I don't want a guest to only talk about their understanding and view of a particular diet when it's really not established that there is one diet for everyone. So maybe having more two guests talking about something with different approaches. And to that end, it'd be wonderful if the uh, listeners would be able to send to us topics for, hey, you know, I'm not sure about this. I hear this and I hear this. What is it? And it wouldn't just be me interviewing someone answering a question, but we could have two people with uh, different kind of approaches. And uh, so I think that'd be something we'd want to do. I'd like to really, you know, continue the prevention stuff. I'm so passionate that that people really can just be made aware of certain aspects of their lifestyle or things that are going on that are early signs of th- things that could be problematic in the future and just helping them identify and educate and and prevent the problems in the future i think we're so busy that people don't spend too, a lot of time thinking about their own health like like others might so uh that would be something we want to continue um but like i said uh, if anyone does have any topics we will jump on finding the right guests with the expertise within the baptist health system i don't think there's anything that we don't have some expertise in uh and make sure that we're able to uh, articulate uh, you know the proper questions and dialogue that would be worthwhile for the for the viewers for the uh, listeners i'm sorry that sounds great um we'll definitely work on that so would you like to wrap this up with a message to the listeners yeah. Absolutely. And uh, certainly uh, I want to give thanks to uh, Carol uh, and, and Steve Pippo, who are the two folks that, uh, you know, make make this make this uh, enterprise work for me. Um, they're the ones telling me, you know, slow down or put your mouth you know, further away from the microphone or <laughs> all the tips that, uh, you know, would hopefully make for an, a good podcast listening experience. You guys, you guys rock. And um, to the listeners, again, thanks for the wonderful privilege and opportunity to be able to share ideas, thoughts and uh, expert uh, information uh, with you on behalf of the Baptist Health family. And as I mentioned previously, please, if you have any comments or suggestions for future topics, email them to us, baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. Please give us reviews. Hopefully they're good reviews. Five stars works. It gives us some feedback. Are we doing a good job? Are we meeting the needs of the, of the listeners? Um, so again, please, baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you guys. Again, it's been a privilege. Thanks again, Carol and Steve. And thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.